0: with fresh eyes, what we would notice is that there's really some some very surprising and supernatural things going on here when we think about it. Think about this. A teenage gal who becomes pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't happen every day. A fiance who remains faithful in, in that Greater context: A young couple on an 80-mile donkey ride to Bethlehem and the lady is expecting to give birth on any day. A birth in a barn. Shepherds who are willing to walk off their job at the risk of being fired, maybe. A star in the east that no one's ever seen and wise men traveling across a desert to see a child king. And then messages through dreams and angels appearing in the sky. I mean, think about it. It is full of supernatural things. Yet, here's the challenge. It's why I bring this up. For a lot of us, we may have been around church for a long time. May have been reading God's word for a long time, and that's a wonderful thing. But, you know, the danger of it is Christmas comes around every year, and at some point you might just get to go, yeah, I've heard that story. You know, yeah, I know know that story. Yeah, 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 right? Like, move on. Okay, keep moving. Here's the danger. We can start skimming it, right? Have you ever been reading something you've read a lot of times before, and all of a sudden you realize you've read a page and a half and you have not got a clue what you just read? (laughs) But, you know, you kind of zoned out because you're skimming it, right? Because you think, I know this, okay? So here's what I really want to do this morning. I want to encourage you I want you to really try hard this morning, okay, to tune in, zone out everything else, and let's look at this account of Jesus' birth as if you were hearing it for the first time. Let's try to hear it with new ears. Additionally, let's remember that at the time of Jesus' birth, 400 years have gone by and nobody's had a fresh word from God. Remember that from the time period from the end of the book of Malachi, the end of the Old Testament, until the beginning of Matthew, people have been pleading for God to speak to them. They've also become very weary living under the heavy oppression of Roman rule. And they were hungry for change and they were ready for peace. What they didn't know was God was about to answer their prayers in a really big way. A really big way. So let's read about that today. Our, our, our scripture passage is going to be Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. Let's read that together. It'll be on the screen if you need it, reading from the NIV, Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. And it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. They were terrified. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They found Mary, Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger, And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard. A lot of talk there about angels. So what do angels do? They're messengers. messengers. You know, if you kind of had to say, you know, their job description, right? You know, what what, what do angels do? They're messengers. What else do they do? They minister in the presence of God. God. Anything else? They They minister to us. Yeah, I mean you kind of think of an angel's job description, it gets to be pretty interesting, right? You know, the thing that I hadn't thought about until I was looking at this is that, did you know that angels appear in more than half the books of the Bible? Okay. Yeah. Over 300 references. And when they do appear, it seems that they typically, it's one of three, there's kind of three areas that they seem to function in. First of all, they magnify God. They absolutely magnify God. That's their number one job, is to praise and adore God. In the passage we just read in verse 13, when it said, Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. And what were they doing? They were praising God. They were praising God. They didn't say, hey, they didn't start out by making an announcement like, hey, we're here to talk to you guys. No, they showed up, and the first thing that the shepherds saw was the angels praising God. There's a lesson in that for us. There's a lesson in that for us. Praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. Nehemiah 9 verse 6 says, You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens and even the highest heavens and all their starry hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything and the multitudes of heaven worship you. First thing they do is they magnify God. Another thing they do, second thing, is they act as messengers sent by God. Right? Right? The word angel, many of you know, literally means like sent one, means messenger. Okay? Their job is to do what God sends them to do. Angels basically convey two types of messages, don't they? Good news, good news like today's scripture announcing the birth of the Messiah. Uh, and by the way, isn't it interesting kind of how angels tend to appear suddenly? Right? You know what I mean? They don't send an email ahead that says, by the way, 10 o'clock, get ready, I'm, I'm, I'm coming. Angels, all of a sudden, and, and here's the part, you know, okay, they, they, they kind of suddenly to ordinary people, right, off, most often they appear to ordinary people who are just actively living out their lives. They're, they're just folks just doing what they do. And all of a sudden, okay, Look, you know how it always says, angels show up and it says, and they were sore afraid. That's old talk for like, man, they were scared, right? They were scared. Well, you know, come on, wouldn't you be too, if you were just kind of going along doing, you know, maybe you were doing the dishes, you know, and all of a sudden an angel, you know, appears, or you were just getting out of your car in the parking lot at the grocery store, and all of a sudden, you know, I mean, I think you would drop down on your hands and knees and say, Lord, what is happening here? Right? I mean, I think if we're honest, most of us would. Okay? And that's why the first words those angels that are bringing good news typically say is what? Fear not. Fear not. Because you need to hear that right then. <laughs> Because that's the one thing you're fearing, right? They're, you know, we'd say don't be afraid, but they say fear not. Now, they also deliver bad news. When they're delivering bad news, they never say, fear not, because you should. You should. Most of us are very aware throughout Scripture, but particularly like in the book of Revelation, it's full of angels bringing God's judgment. That's not going to be a joyful assignment. Okay, so that's the second thing they do. Third thing is, I think you said it, they minister to people. They minister to people. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that angels come and, you know, Hebrews 1.14 puts it best. It says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to those who will inherit salvation? Interesting. Most of the time, angels are not seen, are they? Most of the time, they're not. They're ministering invisibly behind the scenes. On occasion, they do break in to our physical surroundings, appearing for just a very short period of time. And every time they do, it's to accomplish a specific purpose. The Bible mentions that when they do appear, they often look like humans. <laughs> Hebrews 13, two says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels. Without knowing it, you may have had an encounter with an angel and not even know it. But God knows it because you showed them hospitality. You helped that person. However, they are never to be adored or prayed to. Every reference, every instance involving angels in Scripture is incidental to some other topic or event. As a result, we are told to never worship or pray to angels. In fact, Revelation 22, verses 8 and 9, John says, I'm the one who heard and saw all these things, and when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But the angel said, don't do that. Don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with our fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God it's likely that while angels well okay i think this is why angels never stay very long okay they come they do their thing and they go they don't stay very long because they they don't want us to worship them they they don't want they don't want to hang around for us to react to them they want us just to respond to the message and then they're gone they return to the presence of the lord so um how do you think you would respond to an angelic encounter? Oh, Faint. Yeah, I think, I th- I think, I think a lot of us, right? How do you think? Well, usually, when you have an angelic encounter, you have a great need. Yeah. And they, yeah. And they meet that you know, I think you're. I think you're right. I think. I think. First of all, I think it's a very good. Good chance we might just. You know, well, I bet you'll drop to your knees no matter what. Okay? Because think about it. If angels had just come from the presence of the Lord, you know it said that Moses used to go be with God, and his face glowed, and all the people. Okay, just think. Some, this group of angels just come from the presence of the Lord. They show up with you. What's going to be coming with them? The glory of God. Glory of God. I think you're going to fall down on your knees one way or the other, okay? But, yeah, I think, I think the angels, because they come and minister to us, I think, I think they touch our hearts in a unique way that, that nothing else could at that moment. That's why God sent them. Sent them. So here's what let's do. Let's take a few minutes. I said let's look at this story like fresh for the first time. Let's look at this event we've just read about, this account. And let's look at how four different participants in the Christmas story responded to their angelic encounters. Okay? The first one is Zachariah. Okay, so if you remember, Zechariah, the first appearance, uh, in fact, this is the first appearance of an angel in the Gospels, in the New Testament, okay? And, and this take places, takes place in Luke, uh, and when this is Gabriel. If you remember, it's Gabriel that comes to see Zechariah, and Gabriel is only one of two named angels. We know there's a lot more, but two of them, we have been told their names in Scripture, uh, Michael being the other, okay? But Gabriel appears to Zechariah to tell him that he and his wife Elizabeth are going to have a son named John. So Luke 1, verse 7, starts off and it tells us, but but because Zechariah and Elizabeth, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old. Now, Zechariah was a priest, and at the appointed time, when it was his turn to serve in the temple and burn incense, verses 11 and 12 says... At that moment, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. Just kind of like we've all said. Okay? Since the angel's purpose was to deliver good news, the angel says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer is... Has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Then the angel goes on and he describes what kind of person John would be and about the purpose of his life. And in verse 17, he says, He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Here's the interesting thing. Even though Zechariah and his wife had been praying for a child, and even though Zechariah was a very experienced religious person, he was a priest, he doubted. He doubted. In verse, Luke 1, verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, man, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. And my wife is well along in years. Because of his doubts, verses 19 and 20 continue, and the angel said to him, I mean, can we kind of put this like real life? An angel has just come and said to you, You've been praying. You, like today, you've been praying about something. There is a desire of your heart that you have been praying for for a long time. Good news. It's going to happen. And you say, man, you're going to have to prove that to me. I mean, an angel just showed up. It's not like some, you understand? I mean, it's not like something, you know, you just saw a scrap of paper on the ground that said something, you go, oh, no, this is an angel showed up and says to you, what you've been praying for is going to happen. And then you respond, well, I'm not sure I believe that because that's what he basically did. So then, Now the angel's got to get his attention a little bit more. So he says, dude, I'm Gabriel. (laughs) No, I mean, think about it. That's that's really what we, right? You know, dude, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. By the way, Zechariah, how many times have you stood in the presence of God? I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. But okay, since you didn't believe it, you're going to be silent until it happens. Now, here's, okay, there's something to really be thankful for here. Think about this. Even when we doubt, God didn't remove the promise. God didn't remove the answer. But Zechariah paid a price, (laughs) right? He paid a price for his lack of faith, okay? So he says, you're going to be silent and you will not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Because we all know God's promises always come true, always come true. So sometime later, we read that later in Luke, verse 57 to 64, it says, when the time came for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the joy, uh, that the Lord had shown her great mercy, in, and then they came and wanted to share her joy. So then on the eighth day, it's time to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father Zachariah, because that would be the custom. Okay? But the mother spoke up and she said, No, he's to be called John. But then they didn't quite believe that was right for her to do that, so they turned. And they said, but there's no one among your relatives with that name. And so they made some signs to his father. Remember, he can't talk. So I guess they, you know, did did something. And and they said to find it, because they wanted to find out what he wanted to name the child, because they were sure he would say Zachariah. But he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. And right at that moment, he could talk. (laughs) Hey, Do you think there was any doubt in Zechariah's mind that God's word had come true and everything the angel said happened? I don't mean it didn't happen just kind of like he said. It happened, boom, as he says. You know, there are sometimes, have you ever had any time in your life when you doubted God moved and all of a sudden, boom, you go, you know what? I mean, you did what God said and everything just went click, click, click and fell into place. And you only probably thought to yourself, I could have saved myself a lot of hard times here if I had just been obedient to God and received it to begin with. Okay, so Zechariah, I think we might all at least think we could agree that, you know, because of his profession and his experience, he should have known better. Okay, but his response to his angelic encounter began with doubt and unbelief. Now there's Mary. If we read about Mary in Luke 1, verses 26 to 38, we'll hear that, you know, now this kind of goes back and now Elizabeth, who's had John now that we just read, now she's six months pregnant. So we're moving back to that period of time. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. She's a little young woman. And all of a sudden, the angel breaks into her day and says, Greetings. Mary was greatly troubled. I think that's the understatement of the year. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I think Mary was scared to death, too. But the angel said to her, because it was good news, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. Wouldn't you like an angel to break into your day and say, you have found favor with God? Wow. Okay. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you're to call him Jesus and he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative is going to have a child in her own age. And she who was considered to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word of God will ever fail. How did Mary respond? I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. Why was Mary's response so incredible? If you think about it, put her in the culture, put her in the time. What is so incredible about her response? She would be to death if they found her. That's right. That's right. She could she literally was putting herself out there to potentially be killed. Gabriel's appearance to Mary was about six months after his encounter with Zechariah. And Although it says Mary was greatly troubled and you probably would be too if you were a young woman her age and you're going to be told what's happening here and you know she said you're going, she's told you're going to be pregnant you're going to give birth to a child and you're going to give him the name Jesus but you know there's a lot to process there for a young gal. Now and he, and he goes on to tell her that, you know, he'll be called the son of the Most High. Now, while Zechariah denied and he didn't believe what he was being told as amazingly good news, Mary just simply wondered how this was all going to happen. You know, like, like how's this going to work out? Because I'm a virgin. She didn't say, I don't want it to happen, or I don't believe it will happen. She's just going, you know, how does this happen when I'm a virgin? So then Gabriel gives her a few more details. And, you know, they must have been pretty hard for a young woman her age to comprehend. I mean, how she would become pregnant. Okay? Yet Mary responds with the heart of a servant. Verse 38, it told us, I am the Lord's servant, she answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary was just a young woman. Had all these plans out in front of her. Now, there's kind of a, the angel come and, and, and is going to change things a little bit, quite a bit. And she really wasn't sure how it was all going to work out. But she surrendered to God's plan anyway. Mary's response to her angelic encounter was, you know, I'm not sure how it all works out, but I'm in. I'm, I'm surrendered. I'm Do you think you and I ever ask God for too many details before we're ready to say, I'm in, mm-hmm. I'm surrendered? Not only that, we try to tell God how to do it. Yeah, a lot of us have got our own. There's really a difference, right? A lot of us, and as we have our own plans and we say, God bless my plans particularly when we're like halfway done with it and it's not working out, and it's not working out. <laughs> okay? The more I th- have thought about Mary, the more impressive she is to me. But when you... Yes. She didn't know how it was going to work out. She didn't know what would happen. But she. all she knew was, If God asked her to do something, she was going to say yes. Man, I hope for all of us, we're that willing to just step out. You talk about stepping out of the boat. You talk about going all the way out to the end of the limb. I mean, Mary did. Could have lost her life. Could have wrecked her potential marriage. People were going to talk about her. There was never going to be anything good said, right? There was going to be a lot of gossip, none of it good. She said yes anyway. Okay? Then there's Joseph. It's no surprise that Joseph needed an angelic encounter, is it? Is that that any surprise? Now now that we know what we know, is it any surprise that he needed an angelic encounter? Okay? Yeah. Once he found out Mary was pregnant, particularly because he knew with certainty he wasn't the father. I mean, no one else was going to know that, but he knew it. Okay, he knew it. His reputation was on the line. His family. I mean, people don't just talk bad, you know. They don't just, right? They they talk about everybody, right? Okay, so in Matthew 1, 18 to 25, it says, now, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, It was engaged, but we know that that was different then. Okay, it was more okay. Was faithful to the law, yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He decided in his mind to divorce her quietly. Don't you? Maybe this will just blow over, and we can just move on. But once he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home and his wife as his wife, but they did not consummate their marriage until she had given birth to a son and he named him Jesus. In the middle of of Joseph's misery." Joseph had to have been heartbroken. He was in love with his young gal. They, I mean, think about it, okay? He was heartbroken. He was in love. He was doing all the steps. They had picked out the cake. They had been in the, you know, I mean, they had the caterer. They, they, had, they had the deal ready. They had a plan. For Just like we would talk today, they had a plan. They were stepping it through. All of a sudden, they get this message. And now, don't you know that Joseph's heart is broken? In the middle of it, he receives a visit from an angel. But the angel said, don't be afraid to take her home as your wife. It's going to be okay. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She hasn't been unfaithful, Joseph. She hasn't broken her commitment to you. She has done nothing that would cause you to need to pull away. By the way,'t nowhere did it say, and the rest of the world's going to know that. No, that's a big deal. There's nowhere here that this said when the angel said that. It says, "There's no reason for you not to take her home as your wife." But the angel did not go in and say, and by the way, I'm going to show up on the front page of the paper and, you know, we're going to announce from the skies that you guys were okay, that this was God. Okay? Let's remember that although the angel first settles Joseph down by telling him, don't be afraid, he is still telling him that his assignment is going to be to Marry a woman over whom a cloud will hang for a while, okay? and he's going to raise a child that is not his own. Mm-hmm. That may have been why she went to go visit her cousin Elizabeth. You know you know one of the reasons I think she went to visit Elizabeth, this is not my notes, but this is just my opinion <laughs> is. Can you imagine Mary telling her story? If she went and shared to the neighbors when she saw them gossiping, she went and told them what had happened to her? You think they're going to believe her crazy story? You think Elizabeth might? Yeah. Elizabeth was probably the one woman in the world who might believe a young teenager's crazy story about how she got pregnant from God because she's an old woman who can't get pregnant all her life and all of a sudden she's six months pregnant. He is probably the one person in the world who Mary could go to, share what was going on, and she would say, Honey, I believe every word of it. Okay? Even when God gives us tough assignments, He'll give you at least somebody. He'll give you at least one person, somebody who will stand with you. Somebody who will encourage you. And He took care of that even for Mary. Then there was the shepherds. They're our fourth group, okay? How are they going to respond? The last of the four is the shepherds, and this takes place when God, I mean, really think about it, kind of rocks the routine of some guys who are at work. They're just doing their shift, you know? It's, they're out at night. They are, they are taking care of the flock, and, and there it is. Luke 2.8, "...and the shepherds were living out in the fields nearby," keeping watch over their flock by night. It all sounds very pastoral, doesn't it? Very, you know, like a portrait, okay? When all of a sudden, with no warning, an angel appears. And then, as if an angel appearing wasn't enough, Scripture says that the glory of the Lord shone round them. Have you ever actually stopped to think about that for a second? Revelation 15.8 says that the glory of God fills, fills the sanctuary. That means it's like tangible. It can be felt. Revelation 21.23 says that the glory of God serves as light for the city. That means it can be seen. Okay, so can, can I have my Steve paraphrase? Okay, this is my paraphrase. Okay, here's my paraphrase. All of a sudden... They saw an angel and they were immersed in the visible, tangible presence of the glory of God. I mean, they didn't just see an angel. They felt, they saw the the presence of the Lord. It's no wonder in verse 9 it says they were terrified. (laughs) They were terrified. And the angel tells them, because he's there to deliver good news, do not... Be afraid. Yeah, right. Okay. Which thankfully for them, you know, was good. Okay. But the angel then says to them in, in verses 10 to 12, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. It's going to cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. You know what? If it was ever a question all those years later, was Jesus really the Messiah, on that night, the angels said it as clearly as it can be said. He is the Messiah. He's the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Okay. So, the angel makes the announcement. The shepherds, who've been terrified but told, it's okay, it's okay. They're, they're right there at that moment trying to absorb what's just been said and process it. Right? Kind of deal with it. And there's more. (laughs) Because then in verses 13 and 14, remember, they just heard the announcement now in 13 and 14. It says, suddenly, they just had a suddenly. The angel just appeared and delivered the most incredible news ever experienced by humans. But then now there's more. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. A great great company, it said. If you go back and look at the language, that literally translates. There were so many of them, you can't count them. That's, that's the bigger translation of that, okay? It's impossible to count. The sky was filled with a heavenly choir of angels. And what are they doing? Praising God. This is a big deal. They're praising God, okay? Praising God. It's, it's, it's really instructive for us to kind of get out of this. That Remember, the angels were delivering a message of hope and peace for the world, okay? But the angels' first thing when they appeared is they're praising God. We need to understand, peace is only possible after praising God. Praising God sets the stage, opens the way for peace. Verse 15 tells us that once their message had been delivered this is kind of amazing to me too. Once they once they deliver their message, boom, they were gone immediately. They all went back to heaven. Quickly as they appeared, they were gone. Can you imagine the shepherds kind of going, "George, did we really see that?" <laughs> Was that well, No, really? Something that traumatic, that big. Okay, did we really see that? Yeah, yeah, they did. Okay. Luke 2, verses 15 and 16. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened that the angel, that the Lord has told us about through the angel. So they hurried off and they found Mary, Joseph, and the baby. Aren't you glad? Here's a good lesson for us. The the shepherds, their first response was fear, right? But their fear... Got transformed into faith, right? And here's the really big part, because this is where it can fall apart in some people's lives. The good thing was their faith worked it all, worked its way all the way down to their feet. <laughs> so they went. They went. There's a, there's a big, first of all, you've got to get your fear out of the way and fill it replace it with faith, but then at some point, our faith has got to get throughout us, work its way through us, so that we act. We actually move on it, okay? Some people's lives can get so locked up with fear that they never go anywhere or do anything. They're living in fear. Followers of Jesus, our call is to give Jesus our fears and let him transform it into faith, but then our part is then to put it into action, to move with it, okay? When we act on that faith by going wherever he sends us, whether it's across the room or across the street or around the world, it'll work. For the shepherds, it meant they needed to go to Bethlehem, to the stable, to see for themselves all that the angel had described. I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but you think about it. It was no small deal for the shepherds to leave their sheep unattended. I mean, they could have gotten in trouble. Right? I mean, they, they were taking a risk, too, walking off the job. Okay? What if, you know, wolves had come? Okay? Uh, they could have been held liable. It could, it could have been a big deal. But from God's view, He was offering them a once-in-a-lifetime deal. They, I mean, never to be repeated, right? They're going to get to go see this this child. To you know, and the rest of the verses that we read confirm for us that they did go. They saw. They found everything was just like the angel told them it would be. And then the shepherds took the next biggest step of their lives. In verse seventeen it says that when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. The shepherds responded to this angelic encounter not only by believing the good news, but then by broadcasting it, by sharing it with everyone, it says. So I think one of the questions you know we could all ask ourselves then is, How do we respond to God's announcement that peace in our life is now possible, right? How how do we respond? How can you and I experience God's peace? Well, one of the things we learn from today and from these people and their encounters is that, first of all, if we want to experience God's peace, we've got to receive it without condition, without doubt. Mary surely had a lot of unanswered questions, right? We've talked about that. Mary was probably full of unanswered questions. She had no idea how things were going to work out, but she just knew this one thing. God could be trusted. God could be trusted. Okay? So she received his plans, his call to faith, without any conditions. We ought to all practice being more like Mary by not requiring all the details before we begin to move. Besides receiving it without condition, two, got to act on it by faith. Act on it by faith. Joseph knew there were going to be tough days ahead. He had to know. Joseph knew. People were going to question his character. They were going to doubt Mary's story. In spite of all the challenges that they knew they were certain to face, he simply chose to trust God and to move forward by faith. We need to all practice being more like Jesus, uh, Joseph, by uh, being willing to accept God's assignments, even when we know they'll be difficult, and by stepping out in faith. And finally, thirdly, we need to share it with others. When the angels had received their instruction, they not only believed it and acted on it, but once they'd actually experienced it by going and seeing, they shared the good news with everybody. And Scripture says they spread the word. And it goes on to tell us, because they were willing to go and share and tell everyone, Scripture says that everyone who heard it was amazed. Was amazed. Are you and I sharing the hope of the good news of Jesus and the peace that can be experienced with urgency and with joy? So the question for you today, as you stand, let's get ready to close, is... Is, is it possible that God is seeking to sow peace in your heart during this Advent season? So today, just heads bowed, eyes closed. This is your opportunity today to receive the peace of God and then be able to share it with others, to let God's peace rule in your heart by surrendering all the trouble and all the issues of your life that you don't understand, all the doubts and concerns you have, giving them all to Jesus. And so today, if you want to make that decision to give it all to him and to receive his peace, just raise your hand, just between you and the Lord. Amen. Amen. So, Father, today, you've seen our hearts. Father, you know our desire is to experience your peace. And so, Lord, we just ask you now for each one of us to lay down those areas of doubt, those areas of concern, those things, Father, that we don't know how to go forward, but you do, to lay them down at the foot of your cross. And we ask you, Lord, to remove all those questions with your peace and your love. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the Lord of peace himself grant you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen.